Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Church Public. My name is Matt Odegaard, your host, as always. Today, we're going to take a break from current events from a Christian perspective and instead do a Bible study. I just was able to present this a couple of weeks ago and thought it was good enough to share with you as well. As Charles Spurgeon said, never preach a good sermon once. So I thought this was a good sermon, and we're going to get into it. This is about Jesus. This is out of John 13. I hope you enjoy. I hope you really appreciate uh, learning some Bible today, so maybe this is just what you need. Thanks for stopping by. Let's get started. And of course, as always, if you haven't already, like, subscribe, share, do all the button things and everything else. Really appreciate you. If you haven't already, go to churchpublic.com. If you want to see the video of this, there's nothing particularly special in the video, although I am going to show a graphic in a moment and you may want to look at it. I will describe it as best I can for you audio, audio listeners whom I love. I love you guys. But if you want to see this, you know, churchpublic.com and check out the video podcast there. And of course, this one should stay up on YouTube. It should be fine. So you can go check it out there as well. All right, let's go ahead and get started in here. So what I want to show you first is this graphic. I was made aware of this graphic many, many years ago. I don't even know how many years ago at this point, a decade or two. I don't know. It's it's pretty old. It's been around for a long time. But this graphic I'll show you right here is the coexist graphic. So again, for your audio listeners, super love you. Really appreciate you stopping by. I will describe this the best I can. Basically, the word is coexist. The idea is every road leads to God. All of these paths lead to God. It doesn't really matter what you do. It doesn't really matter what religion you have. It's all going to lead to God anyway. So just choose your own adventure and, and you can go your own way and coexist and everybody's going to be happy. But let's just talk about this image for a minute. Again, if you haven't seen this and if you're just listening, I will describe it. If you're watching, you can see uh, to the side of me here, you can see the graphic. So we'll start at the beginning, coexist. So the C is an Islamic crescent moon. That's an Islamic crescent moon. The O is a peace sign. And if you didn't know, you probably know, but if you didn't know, the peace sign is actually an upside down and broken cross. That's actually what the peace sign is. Then you have the E. The E in this instance is the gender pride symbol. You have the male and female symbols coming off of the E. Then we have for the A, the Star of David. I'm sorry, for the X, the Star of David. Apologize for that. Then if yeah, this one's a harder one to see, and uh, if you're just listening, I'll describe it for you. So the I in coexist on top of it has a little dot. I just have a little dot on top. The I in this instance is actually the pentagram for the Church of Satan. Yeah. Then we have the yin yang symbol for the S. And then finally, at the end, the Christian cross for the T. And I've heard, I've had this conversation with people. Well, all reads, all roads lead to God. So we're just going to, you know, take, take whatever road you want, choose whatever religion you want. It's all the same anyway. <sighs> Unfortunately, I'm going to spend maybe a minute or two just talking about this and showing you that it couldn't possibly be true. It just couldn't possibly be true. First of all, the nation of Islam believes that all non-Muslims are apostate. Apostate means that you are not in the faith and therefore are not going to 
their version of heaven. So if you're not in the nation of Islam, you don't get to Pasco. You don't get to see God. Like, that's just the way theirs goes. The peace sign, as I mentioned, isn't upside down and broken cross. So clearly they don't like Christianity and probably beyond that, any Abrahamic faith because their idea is worldly paganism. And that is not compatible with any of the Abrahamic faiths and many of the other faiths as well. Of course, you can't be Jewish or Christian or Muslim and have gender pride because that's not in the New Testament or the Old Testament or the or the Quran or the Torah. I, I mean, that that's not a thing. Then, of course, the satanic symbol on top of the eye. Well, <laughs> satanic. So again, can't be Muslim or Jewish or Christian. Plus, they might say that you could do whatever you wanted, but really you can't you have to you have to choose you can't have everything you have the yin yang symbol that is the balance of everything but it's also this creation energy that there's some other uh, gods little g world and it has to do with light and dark and good and evil but the balance of the two not that god is good and everything that God does is good. It's that you can find good, but it also is balanced with evil in some way. Anyway, it's problematic when you compare it to other religions. And of course, when you get to the end, you have the cross of Christ. And Jesus Christ would say he is actually the king of kings and lord of lords over all other false gods. God makes that claim over and over and over and over again. So uh, <laughs> even if you don't believe in Christianity, the last of this symbol uh, you you can't choose another one and say, well, it's fine, and every other way is fine too. That's just not how any of this is working. But and and as a side note, I had an old um, what do I say? An old boss at a church who put this sticker, this very sticker, on his car, and he was a boss at a church, a pastor, if you were. And I went and said, hey, I don't understand how you can have this on your car and be a follower of Jesus. Like, I just, I don't quite understand how that's working. And he's like, well, you know, basically I'm not really sure about Jesus anymore. And you probably can find your way to heaven with any of these roads. <sighs> Needless to say, that didn't go super well. Anyway, my point is, as we're entering into this discussion and we're looking at John 13, when Jesus is talking about how he is God and what Jesus can do, but what we cannot do as humans, as followers of Jesus, uh, my, my point is that Jesus is God, and this is his kingdom. Now, I've said this before, and I'm sure I will say it again, but you have to make a choice here. You can choose to believe that you're in God's kingdom, or you can choose to believe that you're not. It's kind of like choosing gravity. You can choose to believe that there's gravity, or you can choose that there's not. I'm going to propose that there is gravity, and I propose that there is God, and there is his kingdom, and we are in it. And this is whether you like it or not. You can choose to believe that you are eternal and that you live forever one way or another. I believe you are. I believe everybody really knows that in their heart. Romans attests to this. But the ultimate uh, answer is going to come at the end. I do believe that God is God and this is his kingdom. And I would like to spend eternity with God. And Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, which we'll get to in a moment. But before we get to that, what we need to realize is because this is God's kingdom, and we should live all of our life for Jesus today. Many Christians that I've come across over my life, uh, it's kind of like that old uh, hymn, I guess you'd call it, I'll Fly Away. 
I'll fly away, you know, and it's this idea that someday I'm going to go be with God. So right now I just sit on the bus bench and just kind of wait for the heavenly bus to come by and pick me up. And then I'm going to fly away into heaven and it's all going to be glorious. And while that's partly true, the reality is you live in this life today and God chose you, specifically you. Yes, I'm talking to you. God chose you specifically for today. He did not make a mistake in bringing you to this earth. He did not make a mistake in bringing you to this earth at this time. You are here right now for a reason. And so with that, you should live your life for Jesus, all of your life for all of Christ in everything that you, we do. So I hope you do that. And as we go through this story, I hope you understand a little bit more of who you are and who God is. So we pick up this story, John 13, in the upper room, right after Jesus washes the disciples' feet. He even washes Judas' feet. And Judas is outed as the traitor, and Peter puts his foot in his mouth for not understanding how Jesus washes away sins. That's a great couple of verses that you should read right before this in chapter 13. But we're going to pick up right around verse 31, right after Judas leaves. The key to Jesus' life and ministry is his death. It is his resurrection. Yes, he did a lot of miracles. We'll talk about a couple of those, but really this is the thing. His death and resurrection is what gives us life. We need that in order to have a changed life. We don't have a changed life or the spirit of God without that. So the first 12 chapters of John speed through his 30 plus years of life. These last chapters go through mere days or hours or minutes at a time. It's slow motion. It's excruciating at times. And these are the last days of Jesus Christ, his ministry, his mission, his death, his resurrection. More important than what Jesus said or even did in his ministry, even the miracles, was what Jesus accomplished on the cross that literally no one else could do. He was fully God, fully man. Maybe you have certain experiences where someone you know, your parents, went somewhere that you were not able to go. I have some relatives that are able to travel all around Europe right now. They go to all of these amazing and beautiful places, and it's incredible. And I'll admit, sometimes I'm a little bit jealous, and I would love to go to these places as well. But I don't get to go there, and this is the life that I'm living, and I get to sit in this room for most of the time and go do some other things in different times, and that is what I'm doing, and that's fine. But I don't get to go where it's not my place to go. Maybe you feel like that too. Maybe your parents went on an amazing trip to some amazing island somewhere and you're like, hey, how come I don't get to go on this trip and go to this amazing island somewhere? Maybe you felt like this. I think we've all had this experience at some time or another. Well, Jesus tells us about two places in this passage. One place is a place that we cannot go with him. And the other place is a place that we cannot go without him. So we're starting verse 31, and this is about where we cannot go. When he, and this is talking about Judas, when he was gone, Jesus said, now the son of man is glorified. Here, actually, I have this right here. Let's put this up on the screen. Here we go. Now the son of man is glorified and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will glorify the son in himself and will glorify him at once. My children, I will be with you only a little longer. You will look for me. And as I told the Jews, so I tell you now, where I am going, you cannot come. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Where you go, I cannot, I'm sorry, where I go, you cannot come. Verse 33. See, while Jesus was saying this, and he said, he told the Jews the same thing, but the meaning was different. The meaning was different between what he just told the disciples and what he told the Jews. For the Jews, they were barred from following Jesus because they did not have faith in God. 
to the disciples and also to us, you and me, if you're followers of Jesus, Jesus says there he was going to prepare a place for us by going to the cross for our sin. Now the disciples and us, we must wait patiently until Jesus restores fully his kingdom and we will be there with him. On a side note, this passage about the glory of God and Jesus being the same glory is a great passage to remind us once again that God is in three persons. God is three in one. He is one God in three forms. And Jesus is God. Yes, Jesus is distinct from the Father, but he is the same glory, just as John says here in, in chapter 13. And we worship Jesus for this. And Jesus is fully God. I know I don't have to say this to you all, but you would not believe the conversations I have had with people who think that Jesus is a great guy, a great teacher. Uh, you know, maybe you should even follow him, but he's just clearly not God. This passage and other passages make it very clear that yes, Jesus is a great teacher. He is worthy to follow. And of course, he also is God. We just have to take that. We don't have the choice to say, well, he was a good teacher, but he wasn't actually God. He didn't leave that choice open to us, as C.S. Lewis said, which of course is why he's talking about this right now and why he's able to go to the cross for your and my sin. And this is precisely the disciples' point that Jesus says, you cannot follow me where I'm going. You cannot follow me to the cross because the disciples were not God. And they also were not perfect, just like you and me. So for the Jews, Jesus says, you can't go to God's kingdom because you are trying to live by the rules and you obviously can't. And for the disciples, he says, you cannot go to death on the cross because you are not God and you are not perfect and you cannot be the ultimate sacrifice like God himself in Jesus can be. And then he gives this command, and this is a great command, and I love this, and you probably love this. Maybe you have it on your wall somewhere. Maybe you've quoted this. Uh, we all love this command. Jesus is talking about love, and he's talking about loving one another, and this is quoted quite a bit. In this instance, though, I have to say, I, sometimes I think it's a little bit misquoted. Jesus says this in verse 34, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Um, so listen to what he really says here. You will know you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Yes, we are supposed to love strangers, widows, orphans, even those who hate us. Jesus tells us this in other places, but if we really dive into the foundation of this passage, based on Jesus' words in this passage, he is talking about brotherly love from one disciple to another, one follower of Jesus to another. This world will see something different in you and me, the followers of Jesus, by how we love the other followers of Jesus. This is an inside the church thing. We need to show each other that we love one another, and this is something different. It's something different than the culture. You think about this in terms of the culture of the church and the culture of the world. They should be different. They should look different. That's exactly what Jesus is talking about here. And this is at direct odds with our selfish and prideful nature. This culture wants you to be you. Live your truth. Uh, live your truth. Follow your heart. You be you. Pride is this cultural value. We have parades about pride. We have months-long celebrations of pride. We have the banner of pride draped on the halls of government, schools, embassies, and even some churches. But this is not the way of Christ, and pride is not love. By definition, pride cannot be. All of these ideas and those like them are in opposition to Jesus' command to his followers. We are to love one another and sacrifice our own desires for one another. And this kind of sacrificial love in grace and in truth is what the world will see and notice that we are disciples of the way of Christ. We are not like the culture. We are not like those who hate God. We both love God 
and we love each other. And this creates something different. I love this verse. It's such a great verse. So Jesus tells us where we cannot go, and he tells us what we cannot do. So Simon Peter, I love Simon Peter. I mean, he's such a good guy and so overzealous and ambitious. And so in verse 36, he says, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus says, where am I going? You cannot follow now, but you will follow later. Verse 37, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. I'm ready to die for you, Jesus, Peter says. Then Jesus answered, will you really lay down your life for me? Very truly, I tell you, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. And of course, we know the rest of the story and we know what happens as we're coming up to Easter. Jesus again confirms that the disciples cannot follow him into death on the cross, but the disciples and us will follow him into the resurrected life later. That's the promise that we get out of this. That is the world game-changing thing that happens when we follow after Jesus. And here's where we get Peter again rushing ahead into the place that he can't go to attempt the thing that he just can't do. He wants to save himself. He wants to save Jesus. He wants to sacrifice and die for his friend, which really is quite admirable. I mean, how many of us want a friend who would be willing to die for us? I think it's amazing. Peter, I guess, was ready to do this in a heartbeat. He's a great guy to have around. He was ready for a fight. I mean, remember when Jesus marched into Jerusalem, uh, they were saying Hosanna. They thought he was going to be the conquering king. Peter was ready with his sword to fight. He was ready to go to battle. He said to Jesus, I am ready to, to, to die for you, to fight for you. But he didn't quite understand what Jesus was going to do. He didn't see God's plan. He just wanted to do something. And how many of us get that way? We just don't see God's full plan. We're just not patient enough to wait. So we just do something. And how does that usually work out? Not great. And it didn't work out great for Peter either. Again, we know the end of the story and we know that he did, in fact, deny Jesus three times. However, there is a really cool parallel here between Peter and Jesus that I would love for you to see. Judas betrayed Christ for selfish reasons. Judas left the faith, and actually Judas killed himself for it. Peter wanted to die for Christ and ended up also betraying Christ three times. But he came back to Christ, and he was restored to full faith. I would even say greater faith. This is a reminder for you and for me that we will have desires from within ourselves to do things, maybe even good things, that are just not the will of God. All of our desires must be subject to God so that they don't go beyond God's will. This reminds us that we can't do anything in our own strength. We have to rely on the strength that God provides. And the good news is that you will follow later, verse 36. If we keep in step with the Spirit of God, if we know His Word, if we seek first the kingdom of God, we will do more and more and more in His service and in His kingdom. So we learned where we cannot go, we learned what we cannot do, and we learned in this passage who we must know to get into the kingdom. Chapter 14, Jesus says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, I would not have told you. Uh, I'm sorry, if that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me so that you may be where I am. Uh, I'll pull up the, the verse on this. So Jesus says, you know the way to the place where I'm going. And Thomas, sweet, <laughs> sweet, poor, doubting Thomas. He says, uh, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? And, and this is the verse, right? This is the verse. Jesus says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. 
No one comes to the Father except through me. Uh, and he does go on to say some other things. If you know me, you'll know the Father as well, and you do know him, and you have seen him. Again, Jesus and the Father are one, and Jesus is God. I love this verse. It's one of my favorite verse, verses. And, and here we have Jesus seeing what is to come. He knows what he has to do. He knows the disciples are going to be tried. They're going to be tested to the limit. They'll see the dead body of Christ on the cross and basically all hope for salvation and the Savior and their king will be lost. This man, this leader, this Lord, who they followed for so many years at this point is just gone. Yet, in this moment, Christ encourages them not to lose heart. Do not be troubled, but just believe. The disciples get this great promise from Christ here that though he will be gone for a time, there is purpose in his absence. He must go to prepare a way for the disciples, even for you and for me. He must make a way and prepare a place for us to be with him for all eternity. This is a great word for the disciples when they encountered the death of Christ on the cross. They did not expect it, even though he told them over and over and over and over again that he's going to die and he has to go to his death. They didn't believe it. They didn't expect it until it happened. And then what? All is lost. They were terrified. They were hopeless. They went and hid in a locked room, scared that the authorities would come after them, too. This is just what they did. It's probably what you and I would have done, too. But this is a great word for them and for you and for me when life is not going well. When there are difficulties, when you are in that moment of death before resurrection, it's easy to lose hope, to be filled with despair, to be filled with anxiety, depression, worry. Yet, we must remember Jesus' encouragement here. Don't let your heart be troubled. Finally, after hearing where we can't go, what we can't do, and who we must know to get in the kingdom, Jesus tells the disciples that he is the way. You know the way. Verse uh, chapter 14, verse 4. You know the way to the place that I am going. And Thomas said, Lord, we don't know where you're going. So how can we know the way? And Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus tells the disciples, Jesus tells us, you know the way to the Father. You know the way to God. The disciples know death is not destruction. They, were, they, were, they grew up in these good Hebrew schools, and they knew that there was more. They knew that there was heaven. They knew that there was more to life. But they didn't exactly know how to get there. But they knew that death was not destruction, and passage was from one place to another. Jesus tells them what this is. He tells us what this is. He said that the passage to heaven, the passage to God, the passage to eternal life is one way. Until Christ, this way, this path was closed. But Christ opened up this passage with his death, with his, with his resurrection. And Jesus is telling the disciples and us that we know the way. Jesus says, I am the way. Of course, poor Thomas, he had to say it, and we probably would have said it too. Maybe I would have too. Uh, Jesus, I don't know where you're going. I don't know the way. Even though Christ had just finished saying where and how he was going, they still didn't understand. And that leads us to what he tells us at another place. He says, hey, you need to die to yourself. You need to not follow your way. You need to follow my way. You need to not follow the world's way. You need to follow my way. Die to yourself, pick up your cross, and follow me. Jesus reminds us that he was the one who had to go to the cross, and we are the ones who have to follow him into his death 
to get rid of all of our sin and into his life to live in eternity with God forever. And we get to this glorious statement, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. This is the how. This is how we know the way. Jesus lays it out as clearly as he possibly can. If you know, if you follow Jesus, you can know the way. You can access God through Jesus. A way that previous to this moment was not possible for any human now. It is possible for any who believes in Jesus Christ. If any man turn aside from Christ, he will do nothing but go astray. If any man does not rest on him, he will feed elsewhere on nothing but wind and vanity. If any man not satisfied with Christ alone wishes to go farther, he will find death instead of life. John Calvin. For Christ proves that he is the life, because God with whom is the fountain of life, Psalm 36, 9, cannot be enjoyed in any other way than Christ. All theology is just separated from Christ. It's not connected to Christ. All these other things we just have to get rid of. So we have to find Jesus, learn how to follow Jesus. We live in this culture of relativism. That's why I started with this coexist sticker. Universalism. All roads lead to God. Everything is the same. Everyone, everything leads to heaven or salvation or paradise or whatever you want to call it. And Or you're on the other side of it and you don't believe that anything matters and we're just bags of flesh that will be gone in a few years. And so that's all there is. Just live it up as much as you can now. Muhammad taught that he didn't know the purpose of life. Buddha encouraged his followers to seek truth, whatever that is. Confucius said directly that he was not the way. All of those perspectives and more, they're just basically depressing. They're meaningless. And we haven't even mentioned all the other ideologies of this present age, like secular humanism, scientism, LGBT ideology, communism, socialism, and on and on. All of these paths claim to offer some sort of freedom or salvation or utopia, a paradise on earth, but none of them can provide. This is where we must show the love that Jesus talked about. We must gracefully present the truth to anyone who will listen. There's no time to waste. There are millions of people who need to know the way, and Jesus has commanded you to tell them. Matthew 28, 19. Jesus offers the way, the only way, the way, the truth, and the life. The way of Jesus is full of truth. The truth cannot lie about what is real. Even when culture, media, the government, schools, friends, neighbors, family members, all of them tell you they're right and you're wrong, and they will tell you. The more you line up with Jesus, the more others will line up against you. The way of Jesus is full of life, not just life in this world, but eternal life. Jesus' way of life here is abundant, full of hope, full of joy, full of love, but we have to be in Jesus to experience this life. And the life to come is eternal. You will have it. The only question is, where? Will you be in a very terrible place with eternal separation from God? Or will you be in the place that Jesus has prepared for you? Jesus is coming back. What are you doing to get ready? How will you follow Jesus into the way, the truth, and the life today? For Church Public, I'm Matt Odegaard, and I hope, as always, that you will keep the faith.